Hello everyone and welcome back to Movie Dudes. I am Alec. And I'm Phil. And today we'll be discussing the 2016, uh, I believe it's a, hold on, Naoko Yamada uh, film, A Silent Voice, which was yep. adapted from a manga by Yoshitoke Oima that I have right here as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and this is going to make a very interesting conversation, considering that you have read the entire manga and I haven't read a single page. Yes, and I would also like to, uh, I guess, drum up some hype for later in the episode, but uh, just earlier today, I skimmed through the entire manga again and wrote down every notable change between manga and movie that I could find. Yeah. So this episode will also serve as just... Kind of a, I don't know, because I noticed while I was doing research for this episode, um, I noticed that not a lot of places wrote down, like, or like cataloged, I guess, all those differences. So I guess this episode mm-hmm. kind of serves as that as well. Just a place to see all the different changes that went on during the adaptation of the manga. But awesome. this is Movie Dude, so first we'll discuss the movie. Yep. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Do we want to do? Uh, do we want to get into a summary first? Yeah, I guess so. So, um, Silent Voice is uh, a film about uh, two major characters. One is named Shoya, uh, and the other is named uh, Shoko. Shoko is a uh, deaf girl that Shoya bullies uh, in middle school, and we get that kind of like you know um we get that you know the whole scene of that it's about 20 minutes of the movie you get like a summary of those events skip forward in time about six years um shoya is regretful of what he did and decides that he wants to take his own life so he gathers all the money that he owes his mom uh, uh, he basically just sells all of his stuff and decides to go end his life. But before he does that, he wants to re- he wants to go and try and make amends with Shoko. So he does that, and uh, in in making amends with Shoko, he finds that he wants to um, you know get a new lease on life, pretty much, mm-hmm. and to become friends with her. So. You know, they begin hanging out. Uh, Shoya begins making other friends around him. Like there's uh, there's Nagatsuka, who he helps uh, who he helps save from a bit of a, a theft situation where someone tries to steal his bike, but uh, Shoya just you know is like, "Hey, steal my bike instead." Uh, he meets. Uh, let's see who else. He meets a Yuzuru, who is uh, Shoko's younger sister. Uh, there's uh, another boy. His name is uh, shoot. He's kind of hard to remember because he's not really given a whole lot of uh, life right. in the movie. I wrote his I... name down in my notebook <laughs> in my notepad. Hold on. Yeah, I barely remembered um, any names from the 
from this film? Satoshi. His name is Satoshi. Satoshi. Yeah. Uh, you meet Satoshi and uh, even two characters from the uh, middle school portion of the movie where the bullying take place, uh, Naoka and uh, Kawai. And this little makeshift uh, friend group decides to go and, you know, just hang out and actually start acting like friends, which gives Shoya a bit of a shell shock because he's not really used to this new, uh, like, friend situation, I guess. Uh, And so he gets kind of used to this until his past bullying of Shoko is brought up again and... Everyone who didn't know about it, basically, or everyone who didn't know about it and everyone who knew about it kind of like, you know, is just kind of starts acting weirdly towards Shoya, which causes him in the middle of the of the film to kind of blow up at everybody and ruin the friendships that he's cultivated. Yep. Um, this entire time he's been going, you know, growing closer to Shoko and her sister, uh, and even her, and even their mom, who resented him for the bullying of Shoko in, you know, back in the day. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, th- those, those four starts ha- start hanging out. Then, um, we're brought to uh, a fireworks ceremony where basically Shoya and Shoko, like, you know, spend some time together and then... Shoka decides she wants to go home early to go and uh, study, I think she just says. Uh, Yuzuru tells uh, Shoya to go after and get uh, her camera from the, from the apartment. Uh, upon entering, Shoya discovers that Shoko is standing on the balcony uh, of the apartment, wanting to, you know, jump off into the river below. So... Shoya runs over, saves Shoko, but in in that moment accidentally slips himself into the river, uh, landing him in the hospital unconscious for a little while. Uh, Shoko decides to resalvage those friendships that were messed up from Shoya's, you know, blow up. Then they all you know, kind of get back together once Shoya is out of the hospital and Shoya learns to kind of, uh, you know, take, you know, take life in a new kind of way and see and look everybody in the eyes and basically face the, the truth of the world that he blinded himself to after bullying Shoko. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very, very bare bones description of, right. the, of the main structure of the plot. But I guess we will just get into our thoughts now. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now. I'm pretty sure that in this episode you're you're gonna do most of the talking. Because <laughs> well, one one you've got the manga thing, but two, I didn't really write that that many notes. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't really have that much to say about it. Um. It's 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 a film that I lived more than I analyzed, you know. Oh, for sure. So, that's m- most of the things. M- most of the things I have to say is like it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's... Why is it good? I don't know. It's good. I just liked it. Yeah. I would say it's okay. Yeah, I didn't. In terms of the movie, I didn't write down too many notes at all. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, mainly, the thing that I wanted to talk about more than anything is the way that Silent Voice, I guess, affects me on every viewing. Because I've seen this movie about three times now, and I have not gone a single viewing without being extremely, like, in an emotional state at the end of the film. Of course, and yeah. there's no other movie at the moment that does that for me consistently. So, right. you know, I... I don't know, there's just so much to be said about how... Well beautiful yeah. and re- realistic and poignant the story that Silent Voice tells is. It's just so <laughs> incredible. Well, that, that's one of my uh, few things that I, that I wrote that I want to talk about, which is I want to talk about how this film um, makes you feel emotions, but not only this film, but just anime in general, because that's something that I noticed. Um, anime has a way of making you feel things that Western movies don't have, and I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of true. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I think it could just be a different way of storytelling that does maybe, that. but at the same time, it's like it it is it really is that because like I could I could name off like I don't know five stories that have emotionally like affected me in a very like deep way uh Mm -hmm. but only two of them might be you know western in in origin and that yeah yeah, i i could yeah hold on let me i gotta look back at my shelf to you know remind myself Uh of what i'm actually trying to say here i would say um off the top of my head like five stories that have like impacted the way like impacted me in the deeply emotional way would be uh, Royal Tenenbaums, Marriage Story, Steins Gate, A Silent Voice, and uh, there's one more. I know for a fact that there's one more that I'm just not thinking of right. Evangelion, Mm -hmm. that's the other one. Oh, right. But yeah, those five stories have all, or I guess if you wanted to add a sixth one, then just Persona 5, Royal. Right. But mm-hmm. all six of those stories have had um, had me in a moment where I'm like, God, I just I I feel a lot right now from this mm-hmm. from this story, and obviously there's more examples than that of than that that I'm forgetting at the moment, but it says a lot to I guess the way that uh, anime stories are told that you know it those that those stories in particular that out of those stories in particular four of them are from you know the yeah. you know japan it's pretty crazy i i think there mm-hmm. there definitely is something to that and i'm sure with a lot more analysis i guess you could probably break down a specific reason <laughs> i don't know well i mean in terms of animation when it comes to oh, like em- emotions um Anime is basically really is almost the only thing that makes you feel that such a range of emotions. Uh, I mean, obviously you've got like Pixar, which is also pretty fucking good at that. Oh, of course, yeah. But besides that, because that's you know, if we if we're gonna talk about anime, we have to we kind of have to talk about the eternal debate of uh, anime versus cartoon. And in my my opinion. 
uh, anime will always win, and for one reason, which is, if you're, if you're an adult, and you want an, uh, a cartoon that is going to talk to you about serious, serious adult things, it's pretty hard to find, because the shows you find are, are either kind of stupid comedy adult shows like Family Guy, South Park, The Simpsons, etc., or you're going to find uh, some more cartoons for kids, but that can be extremely well-written, such as um, Gravity, Gravity Falls, and uh, I can't think of any uh, anything else right now, but Gravity Falls is really good. Yeah. Now, see, like, you always will find those diamonds in the rough, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not really to say that, I guess, all anime is, like, really good at conveying a serious story but a lot of them are when they Mm. really get into it like i don't know there's a lot of anime that i love that i think are really good at telling like a semi-serious narrative that have moments where i'm like god if anybody who wasn't into anime watched this i don't think that they would take this seriously at all like yeah um, i get that like there are certain parts of stein's gate where i'm like i find that kind of funny but i don't know if like a regular, like, viewer of things would. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Or, yeah. or like, uh, or like slice of life stuff, like, uh, like Kaon. Yeah. Uh, no, sli- slice of life can be kind of uh, for Western audience. I think it can be kind of difficult to get into. But once you, I think once you find the right shows, it can very easily become your favorite genre of anime. Oh, like, for it's sure. It's the case for me. Yeah. No, I, I feel that way exactly, and. And you were you are right about and there is like I guess one other aspect of anime that makes it like a bit more superior at least to me is I love the expressiveness of the animation because obviously you get like goofy expressiveness that's taken to like a whole new level in anime but there's also like I don't know serious expressiveness like bringing it back to silent voice there are so many moments where you can just feel everything in Mm -hmm. just the way that like a character reacts to something like you would feel in a movie with like the greatest actors yeah and the animation of silent voice isn't to be uh, brought down either because it's done by you know kyoto animations the kyoto animation the same people who did like violent evergarden and stuff like that well, all right. Can we talk about? Okay, can we have a tangent about Kyoto Animation? Because that of was one of the things that I wanted to talk about. All right. To anyone who isn't really that into anime uh, and who doesn't isn't at the point where they can name the different studios, uh, Kyo- Kyoto Animation is my favorite uh, anime studio by far, um, for many reasons. Uh, but if you look, if I look at my anime list. A lot of my favorite anime are going to be from Kyoto Animation, uh, such as uh, obviously A Silent Voice. But there's also uh, Clan Ad, which is my probably my favorite anime of all time. Which again, in terms of uh, showing emotion and making you feel things, is you know it's amazing because it's a a famously sad show. <laughs> like that, I, I mean, I remember I remember in one episode. Uh, I told you that my favorite anime was uh, 
was Cloud Nine, you were like, oh, but it's so sad, and yeah, well, it absolutely well, see, is. See, that's the thing is that I've not even watched Clanad yet, mm-hmm. but I just know because like mm-hmm. if you're in if you're in the anime community for even like a year, and you're like in the right circles, you're gonna hear about Clanad, and you're yeah. gonna hear about people's experiences with Clanad. It's, and I have, well, I have, yeah. I don't even know, I don't even know what it's about. I don't even know any of the characters. But I just know uh-huh. <laughs> that it's really yeah. sad. Uh-huh. But for Kyoto Animation, what I think is also really great is not only do you have uh, those extremely emotional shows, um, but you also have shows that are just as good, but also, also are just kind of like, don't, don't, don't really feel, make you feel like, they're not as sad as those shows like as you mentioned there's k-on which is the yeah. most like <laughs> the most just get a, get in get in bed and just have a good time watching these cute anime girls doing cute anime things it's just it's just goofy and fun <laughs> yeah there's also i don't know if you've seen the show it's a it's a show called nichi Jo. ah I, it's on my it's on my list is that kyoto it's, as well it's kyoto uh pretty sure sh- well, hold on Cause I was, cause I, cause I'm about yeah. to say, oh my god, it's, that's amazing. Uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, if you if you were to compare um, Silent Voice and Clanet to Nichijou, they're just two oh very god. different types of anime. Whether it's in terms of animation or, you know, the kind of shows that they are, Nichijou is the funniest anime I've ever seen. It's <laughs> more like kind of a uh, skit show where you've got different, yeah. well, just different uh, different scenes going on. In each episode, and it's the the kind of comedy that's like pretty absurd, in the sense of like, it 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 keeps going further and further, and then when you're at the point where most shows would stop, Nichijou doesn't stop, and it just goes <laughs> fucking so much further than that. And you know, um, honestly, it's not even the show that I that I say you have to watch from episode one to the last episode. You can just watch a bunch of funny moments of the show on YouTube and. You, you know, that's kind of all you need. That's how I first watched the show, and that's how I fell in love with it. Yeah. So, yeah, Kyoto... Yeah, Kyoto just is so dynamic in what they yeah. choose to do, but with such beautiful animation every time. Like, even I with, mean, e- even with yeah. like... Even with K-On, where you don't really need that, like, amazing level of animation. It's you still don't need really, it, but it's still there. It's, it's still there, and it's still yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. So, like... When it comes to silent voice, you, you know, you read the manga and you get this like really neat, like just it's kind of it's kind of simple in nature, but there's a lot of like little complexities here and there, kind of art style. But when it's translated to the movie, and this is one of my favorite things about the movie over the manga is you get just get this colorful, like, right. I just colorful world that is animated so perfectly and it's so pretty like i like i bought the movie on blu-ray just so i could watch it in like constant high quality because like sometimes when i watch netflix there's kind of moments where it goes down netflix well netflix in general just yeah has a, a very bad it's known for having a very bad bit rate and you know yeah it's it sells you 1080p but it's not actually 1080p it's actually less than that <laughs> it's pretty shaky yeah but 
watching Silent Voice on uh, my Blu-ray player, like on mm-hmm. my TV, was so. Oh my god! I've, yeah. It's just oh, I love this movie that's, so much. It's see, so that's pretty. <laughs> that's a film that I'd like to watch in theaters. Oh my god, that'd be so it, good. It would be awesome. But yeah, um, so yeah, the animation's incredible. Um, I also really like uh, the voice acting in uh, both camps, actually. Right. Because while the sub is, you know, definitively better, I think, uh-huh. uh, the dub has some pretty shining moments as well. Um, I've never heard it, so... Uh, I, would say, I would say the main thing about the dub that I really enjoy is uh shoko is actually voiced by a you know a deaf girl in the english dub oh really yeah and it brings a bit more authenticity to her character not in not in many ways that's like immediately obvious but like i guess you know comparing the two you can kind of tell um but it is really good other than that too because like most of the voices just they just fit (laughs) <laughs> like right. you, you know you, uh-huh. you watch some dubs and it's like you know it, you either like the voices <laughs> and you don't during the silent voice dub i couldn't i there was never a moment where i was like oh that was stupid All no right. it's it's usually really good but i will say one thing about the sub that is exponentially better is they're way better at i guess a, just a a more intense emotional experience because the sub-actors just give it their all in some scenes. Well, yeah, no, that's what's so great about... Another thing that's so great about anime is the voice actors are always so on point. They're always at the top of their game. Yeah. Sometimes, I will say, sometimes you get, Mm -hmm. like, really out-of-left-field, like, English performances that are, like, hard to even best by the sub-standards. Right. Like, uh... Like a uh, oh oh crap! What's his name? Matt uh, Mercer. No, not Matt Mercer, but he's good too. All right, Matt Mercer's uh, my favorite, so that's why I said. Yeah, uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, um, whoever, whoever the guy uh, who voices a uh, Spike Spiegel in the Cowboy Bebop dub. Is, oh, hold on. Uh, he does a great job, and once you bring up his Steve Blum, Steve Blum, that's Steve it. Steve Blum, yes, yes, Steve Blum knocks it out of the park in that show. Pretty much everybody does in Cowboy Bebop. Um, yeah. But like, I would say like uh, in a in a more recent moment uh, in JoJo JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Five, uh, the vo- the ma- the voice actor for the main villain is incredible. He's it's uh, yeah. it's Kellen Goff. He did voice work for Five Nights at Freddy's. Funny enough, uh, mm. but he plays the main villain in that season, and he is terrifying <laughs> like it is so <laughs> good and i was in like jojo dubs are usually pretty like they waver from like decent to like pretty all right but like at this moment i was like god that's amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah that was really good i would i mean most persona dubs are much better than the subs per- that's that's persona just five favorite. yeah persona five has an amazing dub you just—it's the—it's the one time that I don't think I'll ever want to experience anything a different way than it than it was made in right. English. Well, I personally, I I play the game on uh, well in Japanese because that's mm-hmm. just uh, I don't exactly remember why, but I felt like playing it in Japanese. But the voice actors are 
really good for uh, for Persona Five. Oh yeah, both sub and dub is really good voice actors. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's like one of the only times that like a hundred percent of the time I will definitely choose like dub options. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, just last thing about Persona Five. I don't know if yeah. you knew this, but the guy who plays uh, the main character in Persona Five also plays the the announcer in Super Smash. Yeah, Xander Mobius. Xander Mobius. Yeah. Yeah, so I was I was very happy about. It. I was like, what? It's so it's so funny how they're both like so different. They're <laughs> two very very different voices, but they're. Yeah, I've got this joke with my brother of like, wouldn't it be funny if they made an Easter egg where like, one in a hundred times when you select Joker as your character in Smash, uh, the announcer just says, me! <laughs> me! That'd be funny. It's like, it's a joke that <laughs> they never put it because no one no, would understand, but it would be so funny. <laughs> There's a, uh, it's funny that you bring that up, like shared mm-hmm. voice actor, be, shared voice actors, because uh, actually, uh mm-hmm bringing it back to silent voice a couple of the dub actors are main characters in persona 5 as well uh really like, like who like uh the main character shoya in mm-hmm. uh in a, in the english dub is voiced by robbie damond who plays akechi in persona 5 huh. um and the person who plays um i'm forgetting his name again the the orange-haired boy i don't remember right. his, hang on basic dude satoshi the guy who plays satoshi is ryuji max middleman oh so i was so yeah i was very it was really funny because i remember watching the movie i watched a dub for the first time with some friends of mine and i was like hang on a minute there's no way (laughs) and i and i looked up the dub cast i was like oh my god (laughs) yeah i mean sometimes people automatically assume that since it's dubbed it's gonna not it's not gonna be as good Course, and, yeah. you know, that's something that people are going to stop doing because oh, a yeah. lot of times, sometimes they obviously can be uh, right. But if you look, especially <laughs> at what Funimation is doing, like Funimation are killing it in terms of in, ter- in terms of dubs. Like dubs for anime, ha- they, they've never been better than right now because oh, now yeah. <laughs> people are taking it seriously and people are genuinely enjoying it and they want to do something that's good. Yeah, because now it's an actual like international, uh, like powerhouse of an industry. Before it was just yeah. dubs were being made out of either contract licenses or out of like just niche passion. Yeah, I but, mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, a few few months ago, I watched a video with my brothers that was like comparing the different dubs for One Piece. Oh yeah, it was, I yeah. <laughs> where it was like the the Funimation uh, dub, the 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 Four Kids dub, which is known for being oh, very yeah. bad. Oh, I think God. it was also the Japanese dub and another dub that was for like uh, I don't know why they made it, but it was just another dub that like no one knows about, which is somehow worse. <laughs> that one's somehow worse than the Four Kids dub. Have you I don't ever... know how they did it, but it's so bad. Have you ever heard of the Dragon Ball Z big green dub? I well, I know that Dragon Ball Z has a lot of different dubs, so yeah. maybe I know about this one. I'm but sure. this is uh, this is my personal favorite out of like all uh-huh. the bad all the bad dubs of anime because it's okay. just just incredible because it has so many moments. I think I believe it gets its name uh, from the fact that they call Piccolo Big Green. 
in a lot of the scenes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But there's one specific moment that I love with all of my heart where uh, I believe uh, I believe Raditz says uh, he goes uh, he goes you don't scare me and then it cuts back to Frieza and he like has like a some energy coming out of his hand. He goes, nah, and then shoots a big beam of energy. And then <laughs> Raditz is like, Whoa! it's so, so awful, but so funny. You could look up big green dub moments on YouTube um, because it's, I'm going to have to do that. It's incredible. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, but yes. So um, I guess to go back to silent voice for a minute, um, I guess that's kind of really all I had to say regarding the movie itself. I think it's just all in all extremely beautiful. I don't really think there's anything that I could really criticize about the movie. Yeah. Uh, Well, I've got a few things. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. To say. First thing is uh, I got to talk about the the first scene of the film. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when when it comes to... uh, making the first scene of the film that's something that's very important both the first and last scene because one you have to make it uh so that the 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 person watching the film is going to want to watch more going to make uh make the viewer interested in the film so they they don't just leave after one minute and then there's obviously the last scene so that when after you're done watching the movie you think you end up having a good experience in the end but so the the first scene of the film is uh, a scene that shows the the main character, uh, you know, quitting his job, selling all of his stuff, and preparing for his suicide, and then trying to to th- throw himself off a bridge, and then ending up not doing it. Mm-hmm. It's a scene that is it's one minute long. In one minute, it makes you understand everything, and it's in terms, especially in terms of editing, and in terms of uh, well, I guess writing, it's, in my opinion, one of the best first scenes I've ever seen for a film. It's, I I would it, have to agree. It's amazing. I think it's like in just in that minute right there, you get such a yeah, you, like like you said, you get every bit of information that you need to know moving into the main plot. And yeah. I remember as soon as I saw that first scene, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> this is gonna be something, isn't it? So. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, uh, I guess that, that's another thing that I guess I forgot to mention is, um, uh, soundtrack is incredible. Yeah. Like the score mm-hmm. of the film is incredible because it's just this, it's this quiet piano for most of it that like you, you, it's mainly like kind of masked by other things, but during specific moments, you can hear the piano thunking. You can hear slight distortion. You just get this... I don't know how else really to describe it other than, like... It makes me feel, out of all things, like the actual emotions of everything going on. Mm-hmm. Like, it just... I don't know what it is about it. It's just maybe the raw, the raw nature of just how it's produced is so... Uh, in line with how I feel about the movie. Right. And there's also um, the uh, the last scene. Yeah. 
and I guess really all I would have to say about it is that I think it's the most beautiful scene in the movie. Uh, Probably. Because I just remember this doesn't happen often, and when it does for me, I get such, like, just such a rush because it's like a moment in a movie where everything comes together perfectly. Right there at the school festival when Shoya is, you know, he uncovers his ears and starts to finally see people for who they are. Like, actually looks at their faces and the X's start falling off in mass. And he looks around and then the movie just ends. Is incredible. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it might just be like... It's it's up there with some of my favorite scenes from anything ever. Yeah, it's it, it really is something special. But yeah, that's so, that's really about I all I had to say. Um, alright, yeah, well, that's pretty much all for me as well. Okay, then would you want to get into the uh, the manga discussion? Yeah. All right, so here we go. <laughs> So, uh, about, I would say, a week, or a couple weeks before recording this episode, I read through the entirety of the Silent Voice manga. Obviously, it's on my little windowsill over there. Uh, But earlier today, I went through and I wrote uh, every notable difference that I noticed while skimming through the series. So, let's just go volume by volume. Uh, Volume 1... Is it covers um, the entire bullying uh, section of the movie, which is just you know, yeah, just that whole section, and ends with uh, Shoya and Shoko meeting up for the first time since middle school. Uh, and it's mostly similar, but offers a much more like layered presentation of the bullying rather than it mostly being one dimensional, but towards show you doing all of it we get to kind of see everyone else going at it um and it more and it allows us to see more insight into uh i guess just Shoya's mindset uh and he i i this was a part of it that i wanted to get um like another summary from because i was having trouble summarizing this part on my own so i got it from a website called uh, all the anime and uh it's just a summary of his basic uh kind of outlook on life that we don't get at all in the movie is it the manga suggests that shoya is kind of influenced by his uh you know big sister who's never really properly seen whose life attitude is you know life is a war against boredom um mm-hmm. For Shoya, it shapes his search for diversions, like jumping off bridges and making just trouble and being a daredevil. His whole thing, his whole thing before Shoko enters the story is that he wants to destroy boredom. He wants to, for as long as he can, never be bored. Uh, and this kind of morphs uh, into picking on the deaf girl for him. So going into some more perception changes we get to see more of shoya uh actually thinking about shoko because in his head 
he sees her as a bit of an alien like both like literally in his mind and figuratively uh it kind of shows that shoya just didn't like outright hate her for no reason he just doesn't you know she can't talk like communicate like other people can so he never fundamentally understood her which is part of the reason why he starts to bully her he later compares you know bullying to to the same reason that he jumps off bridges uh saying that he believes that this is what she is for um and i would say we we get a couple more scenes of shoko like doing nice things uh for shoya without him knowing it like there's a there's obviously like the desk washing scene that's in the actual movie but there's also stuff like uh shoya's shoes get stolen by uh his former friends keisuke and uh i can't remember the other kid's name uh whatever so his shoes get stolen by them uh, there's multiple scenes, or there's a there's about one one or two scenes where it's shown that Shoko actually fish, fishes them out of the trash and puts them back into Sho, Shoya's cubby. Um, and then obviously there's the scene where they blow up at each other and fight, which causes Shoko to be transferred away. Um, and there's also a bit more of an arc for uh, Shoya's homeroom teacher, oddly enough. Uh, uh-huh. which can th- which continues through the length of the manga. At first, he seems like you know more responsible, like he is in the movie, you know, lecturing Shoya about his attitude. Later, though, he doesn't bother like keeping any kind of like facade in place. He mutters to Shoya at one point while the bullying is like fully underway. He says, "I do understand how you feel, though." And we actually do hear him from a little later, so we'll we'll get to that. Uh, final thing I wanted to mention is the evolution of Shoya's loneliness in this one, or okay. in in this in the manga, because we get to we get to Shoya uh, coming into, I guess it'd be middle school, um, and near the end of middle school, you know, is when he starts to resent people and like the exes start forming over people's faces in his brain he basically we see a much more internal i guess form and evolution of this loneliness we see him push everyone away and he eventually comes to the conclusion that he'll die alone in the life that he's living so he decides he'd rather kill himself we see much more we actually get a couple panels and I put I'll put them up on screen where Shoya begins to see his life as it would play out like he sees himself getting older he sees himself at his mom's funeral and he basically just sees him dying alone on a pile of trash uh and so that's when he de- that's when he decides to kill himself and goes through that whole process which is where we end the volume um and uh honestly uh, volume two is pretty much more of the same. We actually get, or most, it's mostly the same for uh, kind of one to one of the movie. There's just a couple of details I guess I'd like to mention. Um, Shoko is oddly enough the volume begins with a little uh, 
intro from Shoko's perspective, which is a little strange considering we don't really ever get that again. Uh, let me grab the volume so I can remember what she actually said. So, <laughs> one second. She says, um, she starts off by saying, this is Shoya Ishida. I, ha I hate him. He's here to ask for forgiveness for what he did a long time ago. Here's hoping that things will turn out conveniently for him. Which I thought was weird a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a little strange to me. And I think this might just be another case of the author, like, implementing something that they didn't want to, I guess, continue with throughout the story. Maybe. So, you know, since since manga is written on a you know week by week basis for most uh manga authors not that i'm saying that i don't think silent voice was planned out because i do think it was i just think this was probably a narrative device that she decided to scrap much later on right um but moving on the introduction uh or i guess the reintroduction of shoya and shoko is kind of different here because what ends up happening is Shoya, you know, obviously meets Shoko at the at the uh, sign language class. Mm -hmm. You know, Shoko runs away like normal, and Shoya chases her. Uh, he ends up tripping in front of her, which prompts Shoko to help him up while writing the word Y into his palm, uh, which you know makes him right. reveal that he can sign language. So they start talking like that. And Shoya actually has a much longer apology, uh, which I could I could read out fully, but it basically kind of boils down to like, I came here for myself, and there's something I wish that you know we could have heard each other's voices. I've never, he's like, in the 17 years I've been alive, I've never once been a good person. Back then, we could only communicate by hurting each other. When I think about back then. I get so frustrated and what pisses me off is I haven't changed one bit since but I want to try and understand your voice could you and me be friends uh, which is much longer than what he says in the, the movie this makes the title a silent voice kind of like better oh yeah in my opinion oh for sure yeah there's yeah there is a few moments where he like it's specifically said like you couldn't understand her voice or like or i guess the theming of you know him or the theming of like a voice of or someone's voice being important to their person is much more prevalent in the manga than it is the movie um mm -hmm. and this is really this part's really interesting to me because i didn't think this was going to be i i was very surprised by this moment uh but when Shoko and Shoya are feeding the ducks with the bread in the first scene that they, you know, appear back with each other, uh, Shoko's mom shows up uh, mm. and picks up Shoko's notebook that Shoya gave back and throws it into the river, which causes Shoko to oh. go after it, and Shoya goes after it as well. After they both, you know, resurface and come back up to the bridge, uh, Shoya says that, you know, he's sorry about what he did to Shoko all those years ago and gets slapped in the face. <laughs> um, let's see. We get we get some, you know, flashback scenes of Yuzuru, Shoko's sister, getting bullied alongside Shoko. Um, 
we get a scene of Shoko getting mad at Yuzuru because she's the one who took the picture that got, you know, Shoya suspended near the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the last thing, and this is actually what the what the volume ends on, Yuzuru and Shoya in the rain scene, like, is totally different. Like, when, when, she, when Shoya's walking her back home, uh, okay. Shoko's mom shows up at the salon, actually, while Yuzuru is staying the night there, saying that Shoko is missing. Shoko went out to look for Yuzuru, and they find her, and, you know, they all make up and go home and everything. So it's, okay. it's you know, different sequencing, but it ends up at the same place. Hmm. Uh, now, Volume 3 kind of structures itself in the about 15-minute period of the movie where we meet, uh, where we meet up again with old classmates like uh, Miyoko and uh, Naoka. Um, and there's a couple major things here. Uh, yeah, there's a couple major things I want to mention here. Like, uh, there is, throughout the entirety of the rest of the manga, actually, there is a pretty substantial subplot where uh, Nagatsuka uh, wants to make a short film with all of his friends to enter in a movie competition um okay. and he asks Shoya if he wants to help with them Shoya declines at that moment but this comes back uh naoka is much more direct in her approach of getting Shoya to come to the cat cafe where she works uh mm-hmm. and you know afterwards obviously she hands him that uh that pouch that, she, that he later gives to shoko uh but he finds a note in the pouch from naoka that says i've always liked you which gives a bit more development towards naoka in this part of the of the story and especially later when she's in the hospital with him it shows kind of that naoka kind of has a thing (laughs) for shoya uh okay but it's never really explored because obviously shoya doesn't like naoka at all (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the whole thing for that. Um, okay. And this part's not really a difference, just kind of a Japanese language thing that was uh, elaborated on in the manga, which I thought was extremely clever. So there's mm-hmm. there's the scene where Shoko decides... It's near the end of this volume, but it's at a certain point in the movie where Shoko decides that she wants to confess to Shoya that she likes him. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, but... She decides to do this not through sign language, but she decides to talk to him. Uh, in the English version, uh, you know, she says, "She says, uh, I love you," uh, but Shoya misunderstands and hears it as uh, the moon, which is right. kind of plausible. It kind of it's like it's, it's like it's like it's, but a, it's weird. It's a weird moment, but thinking about it in the Japanese language makes so much more sense it's it's a lot closer yeah yeah because the word uh for i love you is uh is suki uh and the word for moon in japanese is tsuki like you pronounce it with a t at the beginning and it's so close so when i read that i was like oh my god that's incredible There's even there's even a really funny extra scene where uh, Yuzuru teases Shoko by like by she's like all right I'll help you start speaking better and so 
they're sitting together and you know she says a bunch of words that that are similar to uh to 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 you know i love you uh but yeah. she goes you know she says like the word for moon and then she says the word for i love you and shoko looks at her and then just hides her head in shame because <laughs> she realizes what she did yeah. <laughs> so i loved that part <laughs> uh-huh. um all right moving on to volume four which kind of starts at the uh, amusement park scene uh-huh. Nagatsuka gets everybody back on or gets everybody in the group on board with the movie plan uh, and after seeing you know his old friend uh, and bully Keisuke at the uh, at the uh, vending station at the amusement park Shoyu is kind of shaken up and after Satoshi says that he'd like the story to be a revenge drama where a guy beats up his former bullies Nagatsuka asks like oh what would happen after that to the main character and show your replies that the main character would want to die <laughs> and everybody and, okay. and referring to himself in kind of a backwards way everyone's visibly shaken but nagatsuka's like oh yeah that kind of sounds like a decent idea and after that is where we get the lead into where uh naoka asks show if she hates she hates her or she hates her which he says probably which is one of my favorite lines in the entire movie <laughs> um Let's see. After the Ferris wheel incident, Shoko writes Naoka a letter, which we'll get to later. Uh, so next is the biggest difference in this volume, and that is with how the death of Shoko and Yuzuru's grandma is handled. Because okay. in the movie, it's very quick. Like, it's very like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, she's dead moving on but yeah. we spend about half of a volume on this it's, uh, can i just talk about yeah like her death in the film is so it, it's it's almost mean because it's like you spend <laughs> one scene uh with her where she just seems so sweet and so oh, nice yeah. and then the scene right after that she's dead yeah not to say obviously that the manga has much development for her either but right. we do get a little more insight about how how like she thought about things. So um, on the day of the funeral, Yuza, Yuzuru and Shoya meet up, obviously, and they decide to go to lunch. Uh, Yuzuru is showing uh, Shoya some pictures of, you know, because it's revealed later, you know, Yuzuru takes pictures of dead things. So uh, Shoko doesn't want to die. So she can see like what dead things actually look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> this part is so bad. Or it's 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 really like great in the story, but I understand why it was cut from the movie because it is really kind of messed up. So there is a scene where she's showing him these pictures, and it's like you know it's dead bugs, dead birds, whatever. But in the middle uh-huh. of those pictures is a scene or is a is a shot of her grandma seemingly asleep uh which she she basically clarifies that like oh yeah mom got really mad when i took that picture so i won't take any more pictures like that and that part breaks my heart (laughs) right because that means that she you know woke up and discovered that her grandma was dead and decided to take a picture of it because she just didn't know what else to do Mm-hmm. Which is heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but after the funeral, and this is the most interesting part, after the funeral, Shoyu sticks around the funeral home, Yuzuru comes out and they find a note in her school uniform from her grandma, seemingly written just before she died. And it provides a lot more insight into you know, Shoko and Yuzuru's mom as a character and shows a parallel between Yuzuru and her mom uh, in the way of like, I guess, how they're both really stubborn people. Um, especially in this part of the story, it hits so much harder because they're both people that are very stuck in, or they're both people who are very stuck in their ways, but they aren't very happy with each other at this moment. So it's kind of interesting to see I guess they're parallel during this part. Um, but yeah, the entire letter is extremely sweet, and I would love, I guess, just if you're curious, look at, just like look it up. I'm sure someone's typed it up out there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I won't read the whole thing here. Uh, right. But I think it's incredible, and I'll just, I'll, I'll put in, I'll, I'll put in the last couple lines because I think it's really good. Uh, okay. Let's see. <clears throat> it seems your mother believed being strict with you sh- would make you stronger, but she applies the same rule to herself. So even today, she's probably fighting back her tears as she dutifully makes the tea. The same way that you hid your tears from me earlier, Yuzuru. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's that. And that's Yuzuru nice. uh, scraps the note and, be- and says that she's not like her mom at all and just kind of storms off. But her mom kind of follows her as she's exiting and goes out into the courtyard where it's just her and Shoya alone for a minute. Shoya gives her the note, uh, and as he's walking away, she says, uh, Shoya, thank you for being friends with Yuzuru, which I thought was a great moment because throughout the entire story up to this point, we've gotten, like, just, we've seen... Shoko's mom is being very cold towards Shoya yeah. for for obvious reasons, mm. but this moment was just so like such a, I guess just a moment of like whoa this is <laughs> mm-hmm. this is some crazy character stuff here, um, but final thing of note I guess is that there's a scene that shows why Shoko's dad left and uh, okay it's like a flashback kind of scene so we actually see them. Uh, but he said, but it, he basically left because he didn't want to raise a deaf child. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty pretty messed up scene because Shoko's yeah. Shoko's sitting right there and obviously she can't hear any of it, so she's very confused. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's pretty horrible. It's pretty like oh no. Yeah. So okay, here is a really good scene. Uh, from okay, so volume five starts. Basically where, basically where the last one ended. Um, like, kind of in the middle of the story. Uh, so, so I guess to start this off, I, I'll mention uh, this volume gives a lot more character development to uh, Satoshi, the basic kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Like, a lot more, to the point where he's, like, an actual character now. Isn't that something? <laughs> <laughs> but, um... So the like the gang plans that you know they they plan some more of Nagatsuka's movie and they decide hey we should set we should sh- you know shoot some of our scenes in an in an elementary school, 
Mm-hmm. And so they're like, hey, uh, Shoya Ashoka, why don't you guys go to the elementary school around here and, you know, ask for permission, which is the same elementary school that Shoya and Shoko bullied, or uh, that uh, Shoya bullied Shoko yeah. in. Of course. So they decide to bring Satoshi along to go there, and Satoshi reveals, you know, like, he wants to be a teacher so that he can teach his old classmates' kids and be nice to them. Unlike his classmates, because they're apparently mean to him, uh, Satoshi oh. also saves a, Satoshi also saves a kid from being bullied, uh, because oh. we basically find out that Satoshi was being bullied back in the day for his big eyebrows, <laughs> which I okay. th- which you know as a bullying reason doesn't I guess make a whole lot of sense, but you know, well, kids yeah. kids are kids. Um, I mean. Bullying in general never really makes sense. I guess that's true, yeah. Bullying never really makes sense anyway. Um, But they, the the most, like, important part of the scene is that Shoya and Shoko, or I guess it's basically, like, Shoko is somewhere off in another part of the school, but Shoya and Satoshi run into um, Shoya and Shoko's old homeroom teacher. Uh, okay. And you know, decide to ask him for permission to use the place, uh, and he's like, he's like, yeah, all right, show you, you seem, you seem like you've grown up pretty all right, uh, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, it's it's probably thanks to all the stuff you went through in middle school, and he yeah. also says that he felt bad for the kids in those class in that class because they were being drawn, uh, as he puts it, the short straw. AKA getting Shoko as a classmate, uh, he ends up calling her pitiful as well. Which, upon hearing this, Satoshi stops drinking a water bottle that he had and just spills it all over the teacher. Uh, and basically, the guy's like, alright, you can't film here anymore, and kicks them all out. But as soon as, as soon as they're about to leave, Shoko comes in the room. And Shoya basically, you know, signs to her like, "Hey, you know, we can't use the place. We can't use the place, so let's just go." And the teacher just kind of stands there for a second and goes, "See, you did grow into a fine young man after all." And then they all just leave. It is okay. Such a good scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I understand completely why all of the movie stuff was cut out of the, the movie. Because yeah. that would have just been way too long. It would have added like another twenty minutes to the movie. Easy. It it kind of feels like a, f- a filler thing. It's kind of filler, but it does end up giving some really good moments. Yeah. So I understand why it was cut as like as a story as a story uh, section itself, but it's it definitely like it gives some moments where it's like yeah you know what. I'm glad I read the manga that I now that I know this. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, they also do some filming for the short film right before you know the bridge scene where Shoya you know blows up at everybody after mm-hmm. uh, the girl uh, Kawaii kind of uh, you know exposes or like exposes that he used to bully Shoko, which yeah. can I just say. Uh, if you hated Naoka as a character, which you know she was the character who didn't like Shoko throughout the movie, I'm sure you could yeah. I'm sure you surmise that. Um, I I did not like her as a character. Yes. Yeah. So if you didn't like her, you definitely won't like Kawaii as a character in the manga because yeah, I mean, 
I didn't really like her that much in the film. Yeah, so. she's not very good is the thing because like... In the, she seems a bit annoying. Yeah, the movie kind of makes this point as well is that she's not so different from Naoka. Because like even though she likes to act nice, she just kind of goes along with everybody and like what's cool at the moment. And even... Mm-hmm. So I'll get into this much later, but in the sixth volume, there's... We throughout the last half, there is a chapter dedicated to every single member of the friend group, like from their perspective and what they think of like everything. Yeah. Um, but hers, like for everyone else, we kind of get scenes of like, oh, you know, that's pretty cool, or like I I can kind of sympathize with that, even mm-hmm. Naoka. But for hers, it's all about uh, her own self image, <laughs> and you're kind of like. What is this yeah. bitch talking about? Like, I don't like her very much. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she just she's kind of fake. And while I came out of the manga, or while I came out of the movie not liking either neither her or uh, Naoka, I came out of the manga appreciating what Naoka does for the story. Uh, or, mm. but I came out of the manga also not liking Kawaii as a character. So that didn't change. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I like, I like what she, I like what she's there for, just to be kind of a parallel to Naoka. Uh huh. Um, but here's another character moment for Satoshi, uh, where right before, cause see, here's a, here's the thing. I'm surprised that this wasn't included in the movie because just before the bridge scene, we get the the scene between Satoshi and Shoya where. You know, Satoshi kind of says, like, oh, yeah, did you hear that Shoka was bullied back in elementary school? I kind of want to... Or he says, like, you know, I have, if I ever found that guy, I would probably punch his lights out or something. Uh, <laughs> and then, in the manga, uh, during the bridge scene where everybody walks off, instead, or except for Yuzuru, Shoko, and Shoya, the last one left is Satoshi. And Shoya, you know, look, okay. looks up at him and goes, if you wanted to punch Shoya's, Shoko's old bully, I'm right here. And huh. and, Shoto, and, Satoshi's, and Satoshi obliges and just lays him out. Like, just gives him a huh. big punch to the face and lays him out. Yuzuru, this is the coldest line in the entire manga. Yuzuru, like, butts in after, like, while Shoko's, like, on the ground with Shoya uh, and says, like, you know, who do you think you are? Satoshi just replies, just a passerby doing my part. Oh, huh. I was like, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> There's that is very cold. It's, it's cold, but it's like, it's a moment of like, you know, I don't, it's, it's not that he's in the wrong, but like this whole scene is like brutal. It's much more like visceral too. Like they're all, they're all screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's really, it's a really good, I guess, just emotional moment for uh, the story. But moving into volume six, uh, we end volume five at the uh, the famous, uh, infamous fireworks scene, where you know Shoko attempts to kill herself, uh, and we basically begin volume six, where you know. Where you know Shoya is in the hospital and he's not waking up at the moment, and Shoko decides to try and patch up all the, all the friendships and everything. But there's also something 
I wanted to mention about all the manga covers, which I'll actually, I'll show it visually right now since I have mm-hmm. them with me. But every manga cover follows the same like basic structure of on the front you see you know Shoko and Shoya standing together, uh, but on the volume six cover you just have Shoko standing there by herself. And it is so brutal after seeing what happened to Shoko. After after coming right off of five, when you see just Shoko or Shoya land in the water and then nothing else, and then you just get that yeah. cover and it's like, oh no! Like if I was uh-huh. if I was a if Silent Voice movie never came out and I just read the manga by itself, that would break me because that is so sad. <laughs> yeah. Um but all right, yeah. For my for my volume 6 notes, um I basically just said like, you know, Naoka reads out the letter that show that uh Shoko wrote her which, you know, just kind of shows more of Shoko's outlook on Naoka as a person which, you know, she's obviously very apologetic uh more than she needs yeah. to be. Uh but, you know, then, you know, then Naoko, you know, starts to beat up Shoko. Then she's interrupted by Shoko's mom. Uh, and the fight, because, like, in the movie, the fight is, like, them kind of, like, pulling at each other and kind of slapping each other. Uh, no. In the manga, they go at it. Like, really? yeah, Naoko pushes her into a car, and they just start punching each other. It is so much. And then, you know, Shoya's mom comes in and is like, whoa, 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 we gotta stop. And I was like, I was reading it, I was like, oh my god. Because I guess, you know, what would you, what would you do if, like, you just saw your daughter getting beaten up by some girl? Yeah. <laughs> just come in. I was like, whoa. But yeah, um, I mentioned earlier that we get individual chapters of all the characters and stuff, and it's usually stuff that we already kind of knew like we see that like satoshi wants to be a teacher and we see his like we see his past bullying uh more in depth we see um we see miyoko uh wanting to be a you know a clothes designer we see Mm -hmm. like just kind of their own lives and we see naoka in the in the hospital room with shoya as she basically yeah. says, like, you know, like, I have feelings for you, but, you know, you hate me and for good reasons. Um, but that's pretty much it for volume six. It ends mm-hmm. with Shoya. It ends with a really good scene, actually, where Shoya has this dream uh, where Shoko could, Shoko was just, you know, normal. Like, she could hear and she could speak clearly. And it shows, like, his or actually yeah yeah it shows like his life where he would be able to hear her voice where the like the bullying mm-hmm. never happened and i thought it was a really interesting scene and i remember someone on reddit on the uh silent voice reddit which is a the jap but which goes by the japanese name of koe no katachi mm-hmm. um so you see like you know them just kind of or like someone on there was like yeah um the i was i was a little bit disappointed that the scene was cut out of the movie and 
it kind of is because I noticed on rewatching that Shoya does kind of have a little like dream before he wakes up, but it's much more abstract. Hmm. I don't quite remember what's said with text on the screen, but I remember that he says something like hearing your voice or something. And it kind of is the same as the dream he has where he could hear, uh, where he could hear Shoko, which I thought that was pretty neat. Um, Mm -hmm. but now finally moving on to, uh, volume seven, the final volume, which is actually like really different for some moments. Okay. So volume seven. After Shoya wakes up, he goes to the bridge and has that scene with Shoko where he, you know, he asks her if, she, if he can help him learn how to live. Uh, then they're discovered by both of their moms and Yuzuru. Shoya gets taken back to the hospital, then is discharged in time for the, fu- for the festival. We also get a pretty cute scene where, uh, where both of the moms uh, get drunk together. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. Just like after after everything, just seeing those two having a good time, I was like, you know what? Right. That's fun. Uh, but yeah, um, as soon as they get to the festival, we see a screening of Nagatsuka's movie, which it would take a lot of time to explain. It would take a lot of time, plus it's kind of unnecessary at the moment to describe what his movie is verbatim, but I'm sure someone typed that out somewhere. Um, so yeah, a- after the movie ends... They basically decide to go back to the school festival, and it plays out pretty much exactly how it did in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then we get the scene where like he starts, you know, looking people in the face again, and that's where the movie ends. However, mm-hmm. the manga continues for yeah, I think I've seen for half a half ends. a volume. So, uh, this is what happens during that period of time, broken down into pretty basic details. Uh, we get a scene where they screen the film at the short film festival where it gets torn apart, like by a critic, uh, inspiring the uh-huh. in- inspiring the Gatsuka to get better at filmmaking. Uh, and finally, we get scenes that show where everybody goes with their lives in the future. Uh, Satoshi and Kawai decide to go to the same university. Kawai ends up confessing that she likes Satoshi, and it's implied that they, you know, kind of end up together. Satoshi Satoshi also states that he might want to get into acting after starring into, after starring in Nagatsuka's movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miyoko and Naoka uh, get into fashion together and go to, end up going to university together for that. Uh, Nagatsuka decides to go to film school and finally, Shoya and Shoko moved to Tokyo together to become hairdressers. Uh, the, okay, yeah. The final panel is them holding hands as they walk into the graduation ceremony, which I thought was very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that yeah. that is the silent voice manga. Uh, every notable difference between that and the movie. Nice. Now, all that being said... Um, a lot of people are of the opinion that the manga handles things, like, so much better. And while I will agree that there's a lot more depth to certain characters in the manga, I think the movie did a great job with what it had. I think, like, really, like, the stuff I'm listing there is, like, out of the 1,200 pages or so of... Uh, of silent voice 
really only like I would say probably an, an odd like hundred or so are what's contained right there. Like maybe a hundred, two hundred. So really they didn't cut out too much. It's pretty one to one actually. Right. Um but I think it was they did a great job adapting it and I think the emotions come through so much more in the movie version. That being mm-hmm. said though, I did enjoy my time reading the silent voice manga. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have to say about silent voice. Nice. Yeah, same thing for me. I love the movie a lot. And I'm really glad we finally got to talk about it. So, um Yeah, same. Please, if you've gotten this far, I don't know how you have. Uh, go watch the movie. What are you like? If you, yeah. if you haven't seen it, I mean, go watch the movie. What if, are you doing? <laughs> I mean, if you haven't seen it already, like, yeah, why? Yeah, why are you? Why are why, you? Still why here? have you been watching? Uh, watching us talking about this film for like over an hour? Yeah, we've done nothing but talk about the movie and maybe a couple other tangents here and there. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's Silent Voice. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now what? Didn't we have something we wanted to discuss at the end of yeah. Memories of Murder? Uh, I can't quite remember. Last episode, I said that I wanted to talk about uh, Western TV shows. Oh yeah, yeah. So I guess we can go. Uh, we could s- start talking about that. So, um, well, I guess the first question to ask would be like, "What's your favorite TV show?" <laughs> Is it cool if you give me a sec with that? Like, could you go with your favorites? Because I still got to oh, think. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so I kind of have two shows that are uh, fighting for the first place. The first show is uh, How I Met Your Mother. Mm, I've, um, I've seen some of that, and it's pretty fun. Yeah. it's Well, it's a sitcom that's very similar in, in a lot of ways uh, to Friends, which is why some people don't like it. They say that it's basically a, a copy of Friends, which I disagree with. But oh yeah, <laughs> I have to say that it's very similar. Um, it's it's similar in its format, but basically it tells the story of Ted Mosby, who is uh, is a father who tells to his children in the year twenty thirty how he met uh, their mother, and he he tells the story in nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine nine seasons and uh, yeah, it's it's a show that's mostly known for the character of Barney Stinson, played by uh, Neil Patrick Harris, right? Uh, who became a, a meme with like, you know, he was a meme very early on uh, on the internet with the like true story with the uh, the glass of wine. That's oh my god, that's meme. right, I forgot about that yeah. meme. Wow. <laughs> uh, but also a bunch of quotes such as. Uh, it's going to be legend. Wait for it, dairy. That, that's a pretty famous quote. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff. But it's a show that I really like for uh, a few reasons. First of all, obviously, as any sitcom, as any good sitcom, it's really funny. And you know, I know that a, a lot of people aren't that into sitcoms because they they don't like the the laughs. Right. Uh, but I will say that How and Your Mother is really good at you know how how much there is because um, unlike a lot of famous sitcoms how about your mother is not 
uh, shot in front in front of a live audience. The laughs are added during the uh, in post production. Yeah, which means that they they have a lot of control and they don't have what I hate about sitcoms, which is like when anything happens, like you you're gonna have the audience going like. Oh, and I hate that. <laughs> yeah, That's so annoying. I'm not a fan. So of you don't either. have, yeah. So when the show gets serious, which honestly for a comedy show it gets serious a lot, but when it gets serious, the the audience shut shut shuts the fuck up. That's good. That's good. So. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the other thing that I like about the show is that it's really good at, you know, stopping the comedy and going into something that's more dramatic. And there's a lot of very sad moments in the show that are, in my opinion, amazing. Or sometimes not not necessarily sad, but just serious. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, obviously I'm not going to spoil it, but there's this big thing of uh, Barney who, you know, he grew up without a father. And then there's a few episodes of him meeting his father and they obviously that's a pretty serious thing but and i i think they ha- they handled that really well mm-hmm. and the other show that that i'm way into is actually a show that i mentioned last episode which is doctor who oh yes yeah yeah which actually funny enough is a show that i hadn't i, I had seen the first two seasons uh like a few years ago and, but at the beginning of this year with my brother we watched the the rest of the show and it's it's a, a really really good show um for, first of all for anyone who's who's a fan of sci-fi like um you, you know it's a very good uh t- kind of typical sci-fi show but also the fact that they you know if you don't know what doctor who is it's a very old uh British sci-fi show that's been uh, that's been going on for over fifty, oh, almost sixty years, and uh, it's it tells the story of the Doctor who is this alien from another planet who travels uh, the universe with what's called the TARDIS, which is both a spaceship and a time machine, and uh, which the fact that it's both of these things allows the writer. A lot of creativity because you can have one episode that's about um, ancient Rome, and you have another episode that's in another futuristic planet with a bunch of aliens and that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, no, it's just a really uh, very just like How I Met Your Mother. It's a show that's really good at handling both comedy and drama, mm-hmm. and that's something that I really like about it. Um, so I did, I did manage to remember a few of my favorites. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so I would probably say, uh, my favorite one of all time is Futurama. Uh, Really? Have you ever watched Futurama at all? I've seen a few episodes, but not a lot. I think it is, like one of the most consistently hilarious animated shows. And, like, I love The Simpsons, too. But like, yeah. Futurama is will always be like a classic to me because like, it was oddly enough I actually watched it for the first time when I was very young, uh, because mm-hmm. uh, my dad and I would watch it uh, whenever I was over at his house. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was a I remember that being a really good time. 
and I think actually one of my one of my earliest memories is uh, we were watching Futurama on like an old CRTV set, and uh, yeah, I remember there was a big storm outside, and I remember I heard big a big like thunder sound, and then the TV just shut off, <laughs> <laughs> and then power came back on, and we just kept watching. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was, Futurama is one of my favorites and I'm rewatching it currently. Like I'll, every so often I'll pop in like a few episodes, uh, and I, I love it a lot. Yeah. It's just a really, really funny show. Uh, my other favorites are like, uh, I love Seinfeld. Um, I really like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, two other shows that I love to death are uh, Arrested Development and mm-hmm. uh, Community. That's my that's like my other All favorite. Right. Have you ever seen Community or Arrested Development? Uh, there are both shows that I've seen the first episode and then just didn't continue watching. That's fair, but like yeah. I don't know. I was recently reminded of how much I love Community be- because like I had some friends over at my apartment. And we were just looking for stuff to watch, and one of my friends was like, hey, why don't you put on an episode of Community? I'm like, sure. And I was sitting there, and I'm like, God, this is funny. I was like, I was like, I don't remember how funny this was. Um, but I need to watch, I would say, like, if I wanted to ever expand my, uh, I guess, expand my horizons in the Western TV world, I need to watch mm-hmm. more dramas. <laughs> uh yeah, I haven't seen a lot of uh, dramas either. Because, like, I watched the first episode of uh, Ozark on Netflix a while back, and uh-huh. it is it was really good. And I was like, man, I want to watch more of this. And then I just didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, there's Breaking Bad, which everyone is you know always loves and always says is like the best. And I really it's a cl- it's a it's a classic favorite show. Yeah, it's a modern it's a modern classic, and I really do want to. Yeah. I want to watch it eventually, but I don't know. When I will, I want to watch. Yeah. I want to watch Fargo, uh, and yeah, Far- Fargo is. Uh, I watched the film before I knew there was a show that called Fargo. Yeah, and uh, it's. It, I think it's kind of funny because a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people love the show without knowing that there's even a film. Yeah, <laughs> so this is kind of like the opposite. That is kind of funny. And I don't know because the film's my favorite film from the Coen Brothers, and I just I'm I'm just not sure if. I'm that interested in watching the show, right? Because like I'm fine with just having the film, you know. Yeah, I've I just have a friend of mine who is like who loved the movie, obviously, but he like was raving about the show back when we first uh-huh. back when we first met. He was like, "You gotta watch it," and so I was like, "Yeah, probably someday." <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, I guess that's really all I gotta say for like Western shows that I love a lot. <laughs> hmm. I remember there was this show that I watched on on Netflix that was called The Politician, mm-hmm. uh, which is a show I feel like like you know there wasn't that much advertising on it, and I feel like most people haven't really heard that much about it. Unlike shows like yeah I don't know Stranger Things that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was a show that I watched because the main character in this show is is played by Ben Platt, who's um, mostly known for. Uh, his, being a Broadway actor who was the main character and uh, I don't know if you've heard about that uh, a musical named Dear Evan Hansen yes I've heard of it 
yeah, so he was the main character in that. Dear Evan, Dear Evan Hansen, which also is getting a movie adaptation later this year. I did hear about that, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of scared about that. <laughs> but yeah, I when, when I first got into Dear Evan Hansen, I was obsessed with this, uh, with, with uh, Ben Platt and especially his voice because he's an amazing singer and I was um, I also at, at the same time I discovered his mu- mu- his music career and his original song and I saw that he, he had a show on Netflix so I decided to watch it it's a really weird show and I'm not quite sure what I think about it mm-hmm. um, it's I don't know how to explain it but it's really like it's very 2020 in the way that it's made. I feel like uh, in a few decades, people will see this show as like a product of its time, if, if it makes sense. Really? Oh. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> well, so, all right. The first season was pretty good. It's basically about this guy who like wants to be the um, uh, like the president of his, of his high school. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, like, there's... The, the the idea of president of high school or whatever is a thing that isn't really that's that much of a thing here in, uh, in Canada. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I kind of look at this as, like, a weird American thing, <laughs> like... Uh, and, but, I don't know. It's, it's so funny you mentioned that because, like, I don't know, okay... This might just be, like, my high school experience, but, like, yeah. we had class presidents and stuff like that, but no one ever really cared. Like, it didn't really mean anything. Like, I remember, um, we mainly didn't ever care about, like, the election because, like... Right. Because it was always, for us, it was always the same four girls that would get, like, president, <laughs> vice president, secretary, treasurer. It didn't even feel like it was worthy to, worthy to even, like... Or, like, worth it to even, like, try. And I thought it would be... Yeah. I thought one year it would be really funny if we got my friend in as president. <laughs> because it would just be such a 180. And I knew it would never happen. But I would love... I, yeah. I thought that was the funniest idea. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no. I, yeah. It's always, like, a big thing in, like... Uh, you know, like, shows. Like, it's always like, oh, he's he was the class president. But, like... I, I have never met anybody who cared. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for this show, th- there was a, a lot of stuff that was kind of weird, such as the main character is an actual sociopath. Oh, that's interesting. Like they, well, so, all right. The sociopath will, like, not really... It's not like they say, oh, the guy's a sociopath. Right, and, uh, right. He's weird. They never say that. He's just treated as a normal guy but he's an actual sociopath though and it's really really weird because I, I don't know plus uh he's like a rich kid who his mom is played by gwyneth paltrow who just uh-huh. is gwyneth paltrow okay like I, I don't i don't know there's just a lot of weird stuff in this show that i'm mm-hmm. just not too certain about and i don't know i mean i don't like gwyneth paltrow but I don't want this to, like, affect my opinion of her acting, you know? She's not that great of an actor either. Or not, yeah. Right, but it's just... Not, you know, to, not, horrible. not to throw shade at Gwyneth Paltrow, obviously. She's fine. But it's like... Yeah. yeah. 
It's just, um, you know, y- you see her in Iron Man and you're like, oh, she's fine. But then you hear about the goop thing. Yeah, goop is so ridiculous. Goop is actually crazy. Oh. I don't know if she's... I don't know if Gwyneth Paltrow is like... She, if she believes believes uh, that the goop thing actually works, or if she's just like <laughs> I have no idea. trying to to make money off uh, of knife people. I think she's just a really good businesswoman. <laughs> she probably is. That's honestly. probably yeah. I think that's probably it. Uh, but before it leaves my brain, uh, another yeah. another Western TV show I completely forgot to mention yep. was uh, Parks and Recreation. Right, because that shows a really brilliant sitcom. Uh, a lot of people love The Office. I just never could really get into it. Same thing for me, yeah. Uh, the Office is one of those shows that I've seen the first episode and I really did not care about watching anything else. I watched like two seasons. <laughs> and I didn't... I was like, at the, at the end of the second season... I watched it with my girlfriend and I like at the end of the second season I was like... Do you really want to continue? <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, "No." And I was like, "Me neither." Uh, a lot of people love. A lot of people love it, though. Yeah. So you know, more power. Th- more power to them seeing something I didn't. Uh huh. I think it's just not my type of humor. Yeah. I think that's all it is. I find cause... I find a lot of the concepts pretty funny. Yeah, sure. But, like... but it's like I don't know. I feel like people talk about this show as like this incredible. Uh, type of humor that's like in, you know you, oh you just don't get it but it's like m- maybe but I don't know I just yeah it's... I don't see how it's that like <laughs> incredible I don't know people people I feel like some people think of The Office as if it was like uh, a revolution yeah people do kind of live and, and die don't... by The Office um, yeah but I mean it's fine show i just never really enjoyed it too much to where i was like yeah i'll watch all of it um Mm -hmm. but uh another another thing i forgot that i wanted to bring up during this episode but uh you kind of reminded me with uh the character of a sociopath that's not stated as a sociopath so Mm -hmm. every year around this time uh, a certain a certain movie has come out for like the last three years uh, and that movie is titled uh, The Kissing Booth. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, my girlfriend and I decided to have another classic moment where we decided to watch a really awful movie. Uh, and we watched... This has been happening for the past three years. We've watched... We watched the first Kissing Booth movie soon after it came out. We watched two and three right as they came out as well. And three just came out this past week. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I thought by the end of three, I was having like a brain aneurysm <laughs> because <laughs> it is, it is so mind bogglingly bad to the point where like right. at the end of three, I thought I was losing my mind because you just, you see this character, the main character is played by Joey King, which side note, I hope, I am sure Joey King is like a really nice person. But I have yeah. never seen a movie that she is in that isn't terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, Joey King plays oh, this. Oh, she's in Slenderman as well. Yeah. No, it was really it was a really funny moment because uh, the when we were watching the first movie, uh, my girlfriend was on IMDb and I'm like, "What's up?" And she's like, "I just I thought I saw something," 
And I was like, what? And she was like, hey, so uh, you know that main girl, Joey King? I was like, yeah. She's like, do you want to know what else she's been in? I was like, what? And she was like, she was in Slenderman. And I went, and like, I had like a, I had just a <laughs> moment of like realization. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's it's pretty unbearable because Joey King plays this yeah. main girl whose name is uh, L. And she, mm-hmm. in, in Kissing Booth 3, actively tries to ruin everything in her life. And then it actually kind of gets ruined for a while. Like, she ruins yeah. the main relationship she has. And it just stays that way <laughs> for the rest of the movie. And I was like, whoa! Like, it's still horrible, but I'm, I'm really kind of impressed that they had the balls to not continue their relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a series of Netflix movies. It's a trilogy, and it's probably the worst trilogy I've ever seen. Uh, Worse than the Fred trilogy? Yes, because oh, like wow. because okay, imagine this, right? Imagine a trilogy yeah. of movies where one of them, the first one, is like a two out of ten, but at least you could like stomach it to some points. But imagine a trilogy mm-hmm. where that exists, and then the next two movies are as bad as Fred 3 Camp Fred. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it is so right. mind-numbingly terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was something that we watched this past... Uh, actually, last night is when we watched Kissing Booth 3. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um the uh the actress uh she really reminds me of uh an actor i can't remember his name but he's you know the kind of, he he plays in the same kind of movies that are like really not great uh right. teenager comedies oh, and i think i know what you're talking drink about. To, uh, it's uh noah centineo oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which uh, I don't know if you know the the YouTuber uh, Carson Ronquist. Yes, I, I do. He made a, a video where he talked about every single one of his films. Oh really? <laughs> and they're all they're all bad. He's <laughs> yeah. also like a lot of those are like not they're not just bad they're they're problematic. Like in terms of uh, moral and and all this, like they, I I think there yeah. was a film that almost like made him a bully and made him as the good guy. <laughs> I, I might be wrong on that, so don't take this too seriously. But from what I remember, that was it. So it's really funny to come back that to a sound voice. But uh, yeah, yeah, he was. Um, he's in one movie I watched like last year. Uh, yeah, I watched uh, I watched a Disney Channel original movie called uh, "How to Build a Better Boy" with my girlfriend. Oh, and boy. he plays uh, I don't quite remember, but I feel like he plays like one of the uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he plays like a just kind of like one of the bullies in that movie too, because he does kind of uh-huh. he does kind of look like a a kind of a jock kind of kind of guy. Yeah, but apparently he was in that uh, "To All the Boys I've Loved Before" trilogy that's also on Netflix that I uh-huh. refuse to watch. <laughs> Same, because I am I. My girlfriend watched the first movie and she was like, "It's bad," 
but we did, but she didn't want to show it to me like she wanted to show me kissing booth. So I'm like, does that mean that it just gets worse? Because if there's a tr- movie trilogy out there worse than the kissing booth, I think I might lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> There's, there's like a whole league of those actors that are just in terrible, terrible movies. And, you know, honestly, and I was saying this last night too, like more power to them for getting so much like work because getting work in Hollywood is kind of hard. Yeah. But like props to them for getting so much work. But like also you're going to be related to those movies forever now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I... Uh, yeah. I was just curious because you, uh, you know we were talking about trilogy, uh, bad trilogies, so I I googled uh, worst movie trilogies. <laughs> I just found a list that I like highly disagree with on a lot of stuff. Oh really? Go ahead. I, I'm now I'm curious. Yeah, it's like all right. Well, first there's the the Matrix trilogy. Oh what? Which is like come on. Which is like all right. Sure. The uh, the maybe you didn't like the the second and third film, but like. The first one is good. You can't deny that the first Matrix movie is good. Yeah. But, like, yeah, like, uh, the second and third movie, they're not great, but they're not, like, terrible. No, yeah, they're just, like, they're just disappointing. That's all Yeah, it is. that's all it is. It's disappointing, sure, but, like, not not bad. Yeah. Then, kind of a uh, similar thing with uh, uh, the Hobbit trilogy. Oh, come on. Yeah, what? Which is, like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. It wasn't as good. As the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but it wasn't horrible. No, I had, I had a decent time with those Hobbit movies. They're not great, but they were yeah. they were fun enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then there's the Stars uh, prequel trilogy. Uh. So it's like, <laughs> I I mean, I, I it doesn't surprise me to see it there. Listen, I appreciate the Star Wars prequel trilogy, but I get it. I get it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I in general, I just really don't care that much about Star Wars, but I've seen a few moments of especially Attack of the Clones. Like, all the, the parts that are very, like, the, the romance part. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, fucking kill me, please. Oh, Attack of the... Okay, so here's... I haven't seen any, like, any of those movies in, like, five or six years, so... Yeah. Obviously, or maybe, like, even, like, eight. But, like, okay, so... Mm. Um, Attack of the Clone... Or, okay, so... What was the first one? Um, um, Phantom Menace. The uh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace is not great, but it's like a decent movie. Um, Attack of the Clones is terrible. There's no salvaging that one. Uh, but Revenge of the Sith has a pretty decent like third act. Really, the only things that bring that trilogy mm-hmm. down are the really dated visuals, some of the really bad storytelling. Uh, yeah. Like all uh, the, the politics the ro- and stuff. Yeah, the romance scene and, of course, the politics scene. Like, yeah. there's so much politics in there. Honestly, though, <laughs> I don't know. I would be kind of rivaled to say that, like, if you're talking about bad Star Wars movies, you could lump in Rise of the Skywalker. Because yeah. I think Rise of the Skywalker is by far the worst one. Like, mm-hmm. besides from, like, aside from Attack of the Clones, I think it's just just terrible like i don't know if you i don't know if you saw it or heard anything about it but it is just a testament to bad trilogy planning (laughs) yeah um but then the next trilogy is the mighty ducks 
which I haven't seen the a single Mighty film Ducks. from. Mighty Ducks. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's such a deep cut. I saw the Mighty Ducks yeah. like 10 years ago, and I don't remember a thing about it. But that doesn't yeah. seem like it'd be worse trilogy material. I just I just know that it exists. Um, next is, I think, actually the first trilogy uh, of the list that I've seen all the films in it, which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trilogy. <laughs> uh, that's kind of... it's like, it's, all right. That's just all right, goofy. All right. The first one, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The first one's good. Yeah, it's not bad. You can't deny the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film is a good film. Second one is not as good. It's like, it's too much into like the stupid comedy part, but it's, you know, it's an alright film. The the third one, though, the third one's bad. Yeah, it's bad. The The third one is. They're just like goofy kids' movies. I don't really. I don't really see the point in calling, in like going out and saying like these are bad. Uh, Yeah. But I do see the point in like stuff like the Michael Bay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, yeah. like you can go out and oh, say, "Oh, that like, one's bad." You're like, "Yeah, these suck," but like, I don't really see the point in racking on those old movies because they're just kind of they're a novelty. They're just like a really mm-hmm. goofy thing from that time in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, then there's the there's a trilogy that it, it really angries me that it's there because I don't even want to uh, I don't even want to call it a trilogy. It's the Adams Family. Which you might think, was there a third Adam's Family? And it's like, technically, because there's a film that is called Adam's Family Reunion uh, that was made in 1998 with, as Gomez Adam, it was Tim Curry. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, it was an entirely different cast, an an entirely different, uh, you know, team of director, writer, and everything. So I don't even want to count it uh, as part of, like, an Adam's Family trilogy. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's that. First of all, I don't like that. Second of all, the Adams family, like the the film Adams family and Adams family value, are two, in my opinion, amazing comedy films. I've never seen any of them, so I can't really say. Uh, yeah, sure. I I don't know what it is about them. I just really like the comedy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a. Some parts are kind of like almost, uh, I guess, absurd comedy a bit. Yeah. But it's, I think it's hilarious. There's also the whole thing of like uh, Gomez and Morticia Adams have the best romance in all of fiction. (laughs) It's like there there aren't any other uh, fictional characters that that love each other as much as uh, Gomez and Morticia Adams. Right. Next is... I didn't even know that that was a trilogy. It's the I Know What You Did trilogy with Oh yeah. Last Summer. I still know what you did last summer, and I always know what you did last summer. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a trilogy. Is, I, I get that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next is Big Big Mama's trilogy. Oh. <laughs> Which is, I remember watching those films as a kid, and it's like... I remember... I, yeah. I, the only time I've ever seen them was I was... I remember I was on vacation, and that was, like, on TV one one afternoon, and my siblings mm. just sat there, and we just watched it. And it, it, was not, it wasn't even, like, good or anything, but we just sat there and just watched the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but next is uh, the Delta Force trilogy, which I didn't know about <laughs> it, but... 
So they're apparently Chuck Norris films. Yeah, I think I've heard of them. So I'm guessing they can they must be at least funny. I'm assuming they are. I don't know. <laughs> uh then it's another trilogy that I don't know about. It's the Problem Child trilogy. Problem Child. I don't even know. It's Problem Child, Problem Child 2, Problem Child 3, Junior in Love. So I don't know about it and mm. I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, there's also the Look Who's Talking trilogy. Yeah, that's a pretty awful trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know that it's gotten like um, John Travolta. Yeah. Then it's uh, Sometimes They Come Back trilogy, which again, I don't know I about. I don't know that one at all. And then finally, the number one is the Troll trilogy. <laughs> Troll, yeah, Troll okay. 2, and Troll 3, which is, first of all, I didn't know uh, Troll 3 existed. I didn't either. And second of all, I don't know if you knew about that, but Troll 2 isn't actually related in any way to Troll 1. I feel like I heard about that. Because <laughs> in, in the film, they're not even trolls, they're goblins. But the film is called what? Troll 2. I think it was to like... Because uh, Troll 1 had a, had a minor success. Oh, to get, go off any troll clout that might exist? Right. It's like, <laughs> right now, people know about it because of how awful the film is. But Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, no, I've never seen it. But it's, the first time I ever heard quite of it, something. the first time I ever heard of it was when I remember I was getting into the idea of funny bad movies, and I asked my dad, "I'm like, what's the worst movie you've ever seen?" And he was like, "Oh, Troll Two for sure," because <laughs> he because yeah. he, he apparently saw it when it came out <laughs> in theaters, uh-huh. and he, he remember I remember he said he's like I, la- I he's like I left and I. I hated it. Yeah, I hated it more than anything I've ever seen. If, if you ever watch it, I recommend that you do like a double feature movie night mm-hmm. where you watch Troll 2 and then you watch a documentary that is called The Wor- the Best Worst Film. Is it about Troll 2? Uh, yeah, it's a documentary made by uh, the, the actor who played the main character in the original film. Oh, that's and then, awesome. So that one... That one was made, I think, 20 years after uh, Troll 2 was made. And he wanted to make a documentary mostly about uh, the the fan base that's that was created about the film. That's pretty cool. And uh, they, they go to, like, um, midnight screenings of, uh, of the film with uh, cast members. And the really good part about it is you got a few interviews with uh, Claudio Fragasso, who is the director of the of Troll Two, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he genuinely think that he made a really good film. I love that. That's great. It's that's fantastic. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it's like you gotta almost respect that. I respect. I feel no. I respect that stuff. I respect yeah. when. See, that's the thing is, I can respect when bad filmmakers like can accept that they've made bad films or yeah. like at least to a point where like they accept the success they get from it like obviously like Tommy was yeah obviously Tommy was so but I think one of my like up-and-coming favorite bad movie directors is a uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him Neil Breen um I don't think I have oh uh, my god if you have the time no. at some point you should absolutely oh oh hold on I think I know about it. Uh, yes. I've seen... Uh, didn't he make a... Uh, wasn't there a scene that kind of became a meme where it was like, 
uh, someone has a heart attack or something. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's yeah. like, I can't believe you committed suicide. I cannot believe yes. you committed suicide. I cannot believe you committed suicide. But yeah, it is, uh, yeah. It's such a, he is such an enigma of a man. And, because, like, okay, so he made, like, he made, like, four movies. And then, like, yeah. in the beginning of 2020, he released a five-hour-long documentary uh about how he makes movies and like i haven't seen and i haven't seen any of them all the way through yet but i want to buy some of his dvds because i really want to watch it because i (laughs) i just i love the i i love the absolute absurdity of what he does but yeah like some of my favorite bad filmmakers i guess you would say is you know time was neil breen uh but uh i would say not even my not even like bad filmmakers, but I respect them a lot. Is the people over mm-hmm. at uh, Wakaliwood, who made like Who Killed Captain Alex, like all those Ugandan action movies that were made oh, that were that were made on a budget yes. of like two hundred dollars. They are doing uh-huh. stuff yep. for the love of film, and I think it's beautiful. You gotta, yeah, I think it You've is gotta so that. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bunch of friends who have a passion for filmmaking and who just do it. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's like, it's, it's kind of heartwarming to like, like you see, you you see all these like big action movies and then you just go over here to Uganda and they're making this. And it's like, that's incredible. (laughs) Have you seen, uh, I don't remember from what country it was, but it was from a, an African country where it was a bunch of, uh, a bunch of like teenagers who made short films and kind of like, uh, those guys made uh, some, you know, films with a lot of, spe- of special effect. Yeah. The difference is that they made actually amazing special effects. Ooh, that's kind of interesting. Like, and I remember when it came out, it was like, um, I remember uh, Elon Musk made a tweet about it, mm. and I, I can't remember. I, I have to find it because yeah. it's like genuinely really good. Oh, so. I don't know why I just remembered this, but there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of movie news uh, that came out yeah. in the last week that uh, that really, really, really got my uh, really got my hate juices a flowing. So okay. um, they announced this week that uh, the week that we're recording this that they are making an American remake of Train to Busan. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yes, which is a South Korean zombie film uh, that got a lot of yeah. got a lot of praise, and I'm just saying, uh, stop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we are. I thought we were past this. Like with with Parasite coming out and making as big of a splash as it did, I don't know why, but I kind of thought, hey, maybe maybe we're done with the idea that we need to have like American versions of whatever. Because it never turns out okay. I can't remember a single time that it has. Especially yeah. with Spike Lee's Old Boy, which is one of the <laughs> worst movies I've ever seen and makes it so yeah. that I can't even recommend one of my favorite movies without someone going, someone going oh, isn't that the one where uh, Elizabeth Olsen got naked? I'm like, <laughs> now we have to live in a world where there's two old boys and one is significantly better than the other one and now we're gonna have to live in a world where there's two train to busans and one of them is going to be so much better because there's no way in hell 
that that <laughs> that that movie is going to be anywhere as good as the original Train to Busan. I mean, you know what? For that kind of situation, I'm always uh, the optimistic person who's going to be like, who, who knows? Maybe it's going to be good. I'm just uh, so tired. And of it. it's like, <laughs> but like for example, uh, you probably saw that as well. Uh, Netflix. Uh, released the first uh, oh. the first pictures from their upcoming Cowboy Bebop live action. Yeah, we can talk about that and, in a second because I have some thoughts about that too. Um, right, but, but so yeah, the, like okay, wait, yeah, the, just the last thing I guess I wanted to mention about the mm-hmm. about the train to Busan thing. Um, just how hard is it to read the little words on the screen? <laughs> once you can, yeah. once you can do that. You can watch all these movies that are so good. You, you don't even have to spend all that money remaking something because it already exists. Just go watch yes. it. Yes. I can guarantee you it's better than what we could make. Stop it's it. Just to quote. Go make your own movies. <laughs> to, to quote Bong Joon-ho, yeah. who made Parasite, once you overcome the one-inch tall barrier of subtitles, you'll be introduced to so many more amazing films. And all right, I saw some people talking about the uh, trying, kind of trying to defend uh, Hollywood, saying that you know some people for some kind of re- uh, some many reason can't read subtitles. All right, make an English dub. Dubs, yeah, dubs exist. Make you a dub. Can dub the film. You don't have to remake it. Who cares? I I have this... seen. In fact, there are some t- there are some times where a a good dub or a bad dub can completely transform the way you look at a movie. Like the Bruce, yep. like the Bruce Lee movies on the Criterion box set, come with their original nineteen mm-hmm. seventies English dubs, and it's hilarious. It's some <laughs> of the best. It's some of the best dubbing. Some of the best worst dubbing I've ever seen. So, yeah. if that's what you have to do, if you can't read subtitles, then get somebody to make a dub. You can do it for significantly less. I would be insulted if I was like one of those directors. Like if I was Park Chan Wook who made the original Old Boy, or the director yeah. of Train to Busan, whose name is escaping me right now, I would feel insulted. I would. I would be like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. why Why do we it's... have to make... Why do we... Okay, why do we have yeah. to dumb down film for people? I, th- I really don't think it's that hard to just... All right. Yeah. I, I have to... This is going to be another, like, oh, foreign guy judges America moment. Yeah. Uh, as someone who is from Quebec, which is, you know, we have, we, we have, a, in my opinion, a pretty good uh, movie, film industry, but it's significantly smaller than uh, the United States. So seeing America like, you know, because just like any other foreign countries, we dub every, uh, every foreign films. Mm-hmm. And so seeing America decided to deciding to not dub the film, but instead remake the entire fucking film is just almost like it's almost funny to me it's just it's see like, like yeah it's i bet it is i bet it is funny but this is i would say this is like the only thing when it comes to like movies that i legitimately get angry over like i yeah. for the rest of my life i don't think i'll ever change yeah. my stance on this i will rally against them ever trying to do this stuff because it is yeah. so stupid and unnecessary, and it never works mm-hmm. out. Like, if they ever make yeah. an American version of Parasite, 
I might just lose my shit. That might just be it. <laughs> that might just be it for me. Because, like, I don't think I could ever, like, respect anybody who would do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's such a thing that, like, obviously it's unnecessary to get so angry over. Because it's not something I can change. But it is something that legitimately angers me as someone who really enjoys foreign movies. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's just that's just my outlook on a, piece of, a bit of current events. And speaking of current events, Netflix's Cowboy Bebop uh, live-action remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all honesty, eh. <laughs> I don't really... <laughs> see, that's the, th- right. that's the thing with me and these Netflix live-action remakes is that, like... Obviously, Death Note was a sin against God, uh, but um, from what I'm seeing of Cowboy Bebop, it looks fine. I'm fine with the casting. I'm even fine with the costume design. Some people were angry about that they kind of dumbed... They didn't dumb down, but they kind of unsexualized uh, uh, Faye Valentine's uh, suit. There's, There's always those people. Yeah, which... I don't really care. It's the same. (laughs) You know what? They're the same people that uh, got angry at the last Tomb Raider film because they said that uh, Lara Croft's boobs were were too small. (laughs) Which is like, get a life, dude. Come on. It's just, it doesn't matter. Like, at the end of the day, who's. I'm not really going to care. They still kind. That's the thing that this has over the Death Note movie is that they look like the characters at least. Yep. So I'm fine with it. The only thing I'm, the only thing I am almost confident that they won't be able to do, is capture the same feeling that Cowboy Bebop does. There's no way in hell that they're gonna do it. Like they're gonna, there's no, there's yeah. no way that they can make it the same way, or like have the same kind of impact that the regular Cowboy Bebop does. That's where my, that's where my stance on remakes are. Like I understand that remakes mm. are gonna happen. Or like just remakes of things that have already existed, I guess. Not even just they, like foreign. Yeah, stuff. they're they're all they've always been been a thing. Yeah, like remakes yeah. are like, remakes are going to happen, but I just like, it, it matters on how necessary they are. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you look at, for example, Scarface. Yeah. Scarface was a remake of a film from, uh, from the nineteen thirties, but I feel like there was also another Scarface at some point. I might be wrong about that, but there are there are films that are like, you know, uh, a remake of a remake. Right. Yeah. No. So obviously there can there can be good remakes, and like mm-hmm. like I like if you feel like you have an an interesting outlook on how the story might go otherwise, then sure. But like, yeah. see, that's the thing is that it for stories that are already good. I don't really think it's necessary. Like, obviously with those foreign movies, but absolutely with some of the anime remakes that have come out. Like, obviously there's mm -hmm. Death Note, the Avatar movie, there's, um, well, now there's Cowboy Bebop, and I guess, um, I don't know, the main thing that I'm thinking is I think it'll just kinda, this is my prediction right now, I'm thinking it's gonna end up like the American Ghost in the Shell movie. Uh, with Scarlett Johansson, and I think it's just gonna be a bland cyberpunk action story, unless they're able yeah. to pull it off pretty well, which who knows? It's possible. It is possible. 
you you want to know what else? Okay, this is actually kind of bothering me about this this new yeah. rollout of teaser images. Uh, mm-hmm. Where's Ed? <laughs> where is uh... where is she? She's not there. <laughs> So well, I mean, you know, they're just the first images. Well, yeah, but like, she's a main character. She's in most of the promotional material for the original Cowboy Bebop, even though she shows up like a few episodes in. So yeah, it's a little bit concerning that that Ed hasn't shown up yet. I'm sure eventually we'll get whatever like appearance of Ed there will be, whatever. Uh, but that was just one thing where I was like. Just show her. We already know she exists. There's no mystery for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to end this kind of like uh, remake tangent. Yeah. Uh, I'm not really that scared about Cowboy Bebop yeah. and Train to Busan because, like, you know, I I haven't seen, I I, I haven't seen all of Cowboy Bebop and I haven't watched uh, Train to Busan yet. Yeah. But there's one that's currently uh, being made, which. As a fan of the original show, it kind of scares me, which is the new Netflix live-action Avatar TV show. Oh, yeah, that is kind of scary. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you've got... Well, just, first of all, you know, just like anything else, I, I try to be optimistic, but the moment where they announced that the original creators uh, <laughs> stopped t- being yeah. uh, part of the creation... That is doesn't like, bode well. <laughs> Yeah, Man. I don't know. See that I, I, I am firmly in the camp that I I don't see. I don't think it'll be bad. I don't think any of these remakes will inherently be bad just based on the fact that they exist. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, not a good track record, and it's not a thing that we need to do anymore. They, yeah, we've evolved past well, the need for our own solitary like country experiences. Branch out. Watch something from another yeah. country. Don't just watch American movies. If you really care about like good movies and you want to watch good movies, and you don't, you know, you know, you don't think there's any good stuff to watch on, you know, American cinema. Go watch something foreign. I thought for a long time that I wouldn't enjoy yeah. foreign movies. I was wrong when I decided to branch out. So just what? Just do it. Well, I, I feel like that's an, uh, an interesting thing to talk about. What if you were to recommend a foreign film to someone who's never seen one? What would you? Oh, what, what film would you say? Oh, it's Parasite, hundred percent. Because fair enough. That was the that was the first foreign movie I showed uh, my girlfriend, and she mm-hmm. adored it. <laughs> like it was such a good yeah. it was such a good reaction because I think Parasite is probably like it's one it's definitely one of the most like I don't know cinematically satisfying movies ever made like mm-hmm. there's not a single moment of parasite that i think i'm like you know what this i'm a little bored it's just it's just a great ride all the way through but i guess some other foreign movies that i really would recommend to a lot of people is uh shoot i'm trying to like like jackie chan's police well, story um yeah absolutely there's anything anime yeah like silent like, silent voice I mean- obviously we just spent like an hour ago talking about it. <laughs> yeah, um, and maybe other some other South Korean movies like yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Old Boy oh, and Old Boy, Train to Busan. Sure. Oh my God! If if you okay yeah if you 
like movies like I'm, I'm i'm sure if you've watched this far in the podcast you would like at least like movies a little bit uh if you do go watch old boy because it is it is one of the best films of the 2000s i'm just saying <laughs> if you if you like uh, I, i'd say to, to someone who has never seen foreign films if that person likes romance i might recommend uh one car why yeah just watch yeah I would say just like dip your toes in the water with Chunking Express. That's like another film. Uh, no, if you haven't finished, go on. No, that's pretty much it. That's, that's like right. I think Chunking Express is like right. the best like starter Wong Kar Wai. Yeah, yeah, same. There's an there's a French film that I watched earlier this year that I think could, uh, you know, a lot of people could like since it's uh. It's, it talks about pretty relevant topics and everything. It's a film that is called La Haine. Mm-hmm. It's a film that is about uh, three uh, three guys who live in like a, um, a a poor place near Paris, and uh, they uh, it's it's a, a film a film that you know it's not really a, the plot of the film, but it's more what they do in the film. It's how, how can I explain? It's like you know, it's just them li- living their life uh, in a place that's got a lot of crime, a lot of poverty, and that kind of stuff. And uh, it's, uh, in a way, I don't know why, it's a film that I kind of com- compared to The 400 Blows, mm-hmm. which I, I don't know if you've seen. I've heard of it. Yeah. Well, uh, in, in terms of, you know, com- comparison of uh, the story and everything, I feel like this film is The 400 Blows if it was for uh you know with uh young adults instead of a instead of a kid yeah uh and yeah no i, th- I think that's a a pretty good film um one uh i think the only film from the criterion collection that i've recommended to my uh to to my brothers and they liked it so that says something yeah yeah i th- i think foreign films are really important and i think yeah. every every time we make one of these americanized versions of it we we slip a little further into i guess i you know isolating our culture from other yeah. influences so that's just yes. that's just my opinion maybe the train to busan remake will be really good i don't yeah. know but to to end to end this i'd say that i feel and that's a perspective for me foreign guy i feel like uh the united states has an issue of they want to uh not necessarily impose but they want to give their culture to oh no uh, every every other country in the world but they (laughs) don't want the other countries to have to give their culture yeah it's a very it's a very xenophobic environment for sure and I personally would like to say that uh, I I would not be the same person I am if it wasn't for foreign media. So yeah, just just try it. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. don't judge it just by saying oh it's foreign. I probably won't like it. Just just try it. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. I guess just to close that out. That's my thoughts on the whole thing. So uh, how about we get into yep. choosing next week's movie? Absolutely. So, hold on. Let, let me just pull up the the randomizer yes. and the in my list. 
Okay. All right, it's loading. Okay. All right. Uh, next week's episode is going to be about a film that I've actually talked about a lot on the podcast already, and I'm very excited to talk about it. It is about Harold and Maude. Oh, finally! Finally, Harold and Maude. After all the time we've talked about it. Oh man, that's awesome! So, actually, yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah, I, I mean, I've talked uh, about this film so much already on the on the podcast, so uh, it's finally getting an episode. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. So for those who haven't seen the our first episode, like our introduction episode, uh, we 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 gave our top ten favorite movies, and that one I think was my sixth favorite uh, film. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Awesome. So I guess so, yeah. I guess that kind of rolls out the episode. Uh, if there was anything else you want to talk about, um, no. All right. I think, and I think that means we are done for today. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you all for listening to the this episode of Movie Dudes. Uh, I uh, I guess I would just I, I would like to say yeah I I love Silent Voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I didn't already say Same. that enough, it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> Uh, if if you watched this episode and haven't watched the movie, please <laughs> go watch it because honestly, yeah. it's probably my favorite movie we've discussed so far. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, have a have a good day, night, or whatever you are doing, and we will see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>